Today on Drawing Near, we see God's purpose in saving the Gentiles. So I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and join us for God's manifold wisdom. As we begin today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we thank you for this wonderful day, a day which is new and fresh, filled with your tender mercies. And Lord, we thank you for the challenges of this day, as well as the blessings. We know that you work in all things for your people to bring about your glory and our good. And now, Father, we ask that you'd work in our hearts and our minds once again. Help us to see the truth of your word, but not just see the truth of it, but to be able to apply and embrace that truth for our everyday living. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, we read this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So in this unique passage, Paul is continuing a sort of testimony and explanation regarding his part in making known the mystery of God that the Gentiles are to be included with the Jewish believers in salvation and in all the blessings in Christ. And he begins in verse 8 by saying this, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Sometimes Paul does not come across in his letters as humble. He seems to be bold. Some people have even characterized him as arrogant. But at the same time, we see often God has humbled this mighty champion of the faith. And Paul recognizes that due to the fact that he was a persecutor of the church, that he was an enemy of God, he recognizes that he is unworthy to serve in the capacity that God has called him to. Now, he's capable, but he's unworthy. And so he characterizes himself as less than the least of all the saints. He doesn't say he's the least of all the saints. He says he's less than the least of all the saints. In another passage in one of his letters, he says he is the chief of sinners. So Paul is very much aware of his sinfulness, of his unworthiness, and he is awed. We can see that in this passage, in this chapter. He is awed that by God's grace, he was given this responsibility to take the gospel to the Gentile people. He who was bringing persecution to their doorstep is now bringing the good news of salvation in Christ to the Gentile people. And he recognizes this again as a great gift of grace. He says this grace is that I should preach among the Gentiles 
the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. And it is a very humbling thing. It is a very blessed and precious thing to be able to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ, to be able to stand up on Christ's behalf and to declare all that he has bestowed upon us, sinners saved by grace. It's, it's just, it's wonderful. It's humbling. It's joyous. And so Paul sees that. He goes on and says in verse 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. This fellowship of the mystery is a twofold thing. It's the fellowship of Jew and Gentile in relationship together with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But it is also Paul's part, Paul's fellowship, his partnership with this mystery. You see, this mystery began to unfold at the same time as Paul was called to be an apostle. God chose to use Paul in this unique capacity to make this mystery known. He was the chief person to do that. And so he has a unique bonding or partnership or fellowship with this mystery. There are times throughout history that God does something unique, that God begins a thing. And so often when he does, he does it through an individual. Abraham is such an individual. Moses was such an individual. Samuel was an individual like that. God works through human beings. He doesn't have to. He doesn't need to. He chooses to involve us in partnership with his glorious, gracious work in this world. That should cause us to be filled with awe and wonder that the God of all the universe would use somebody like Paul or Abraham or you or myself. And he says about this mystery, it was hidden from the beginning of the ages. It was hidden in God. It was always there, but it was in God's mind, God's heart. God didn't unfold it for everyone to see. He worked from Adam to Noah to Abraham, through Jacob, through the people of Israel. Now he has included whosoever will may come. And this mystery of what he intended to do has been hidden in him. I don't know how this plays a part in this passage, but Paul describes God as who created all things through Jesus Christ. God is so often mentioned or or put forth as the Creator. And Jesus Christ is so often mentioned as through whom all things were made, as it says in John chapter 1. This God who had this plan from the beginning is the Creator. And it seems to be the reference here that God had this plan even from the beginning of creation. Well, in verse 10, we are told God's intent or purpose in this mystery and holding this mystery back until the time when Paul would begin to make it known. It says in verse 10, to the intent or with the purpose that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. That word manifold is a good Bible word. It has nothing to do 
with a manifold on your exhaust system. It literally means many-colored or many-faceted or variegated. God's wisdom is not plain. It is beautiful. It is complex. It has depth to it that we cannot begin to fathom. And yet God wants to make that variegated, that multifaceted wisdom that we cannot begin to comprehend. He wants to make it known. And he wants to make it known, verse 10 says, by the church. The church is composed of sinners saved by grace through faith, Jew and Gentile, people of every nation and race. We are all included. We are all a part of the body of Christ. We are all joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And God wants to put us on display. That's how God's wisdom is made known. The glory of the church. The glory of the bride of Christ. Jesus died on the cross to bring all of this to pass. And God is putting his wisdom on display. And look who he's trying to show it to. He's making it known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, to angels, fallen angels and holy angels, to those heavenly powers and principalities. You know, it should be noted here that fallen angels cannot be redeemed. And there is a schism in the heavens between Satan and his followers and God and his holy angels. And yet God is putting on display within the church this oneness, this unity, this fellowship between all of these people in Christ Jesus. We should make it very clear. Faith in Christ should bring about peace. And without faith in Christ, there cannot be peace. He's wanting to make this known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He wants them to see his manifold wisdom. And verse 11 says that this is all according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has a purpose which is eternal. From the past, present, future, God is timeless. So his purpose is timeless. It's an eternal purpose. And he accomplished his purpose, his purpose of glorifying his grace, putting his wisdom on display, redeeming lost sinners, bringing glory and honor to himself, showing his justice and his righteousness, his mercy, his love. He has this purpose, and it was all accomplished in Christ Jesus. When Jesus dies on the cross, he doesn't just simply pay for our sin. There is so much more that is accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. Revelation 5 says it made him worthy to open the scroll that no one else could open. It makes him able to have a name which is above every name, to have power above all, and on and on and on, all because of his death, burial, resurrection. Yes, he saves us. There is so much more accomplished according to God's eternal purpose in Jesus Christ. And then please don't miss these last couple of words in verse 11. Jesus is and should always be seen as our Lord. We are his servants. 
We are his followers. He is our Lord. His desire is our responsibility. We need to be willing to obey him. He says in his word, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll follow me. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it makes sense, doesn't it? He is the one who accomplished all of God's eternal purpose in his death, burial, and resurrection, saving us from our sins, bearing our guilt and our shame, purchasing for us a heavenly place. We ought to serve him as our Lord. Well, then in verse 12, it says, In whom, in Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. A Hebrew says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. This is a similar type of phrase. Because of all that Jesus Christ has done for us, he has saved us so thoroughly that we who can be and ought to be humble before God can still boldly approach. We have boldness and we have access to the, to the Godhead with confidence through faith in Jesus Christ. It's why we pray, in Jesus' name, I come to you, Father. Jesus gains us passage and access to the Father, but not timidly, but boldly. We are God's children, and we never want to be casual toward God. We never want to be flippant toward God, but we can have boldness. We don't need to be shy. We don't need to back away. God says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. But all of this is through faith in Jesus. Apart from faith in Jesus, we cannot please God. Then finally, in verse 13, we read, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul is letting them know that he suffers for them. He suffers in order to bring the gospel to them. He suffers in order to preach and teach and bring the truth to them. But he doesn't want them to lose heart because he is less than the least of all saints. He sees this as a great grace that has been given to him. He sees his part in this wonderful unfolding of this mystery, this manifold wisdom of God, as so wonderful and so much a privilege. He doesn't want them to lose heart, to be discouraged, to feel bad that he suffers on their behalf. And he says his tribulation is their glory. Now that's a, that's a tough phrase to try to understand. I think it brings together that as he does his work for the Lord and suffers for it, the result of his work and suffering is their growing, their sanctification, their maturity, their ongoing development which is their glory, their good, their gain. How do you see yourself before Christ? Do you see yourself as a little beggar? Do you see yourself as something significant? The Apostle Paul, potentially the greatest New Testament figure other than Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, considered himself less than the least of all the saints. He was humbled to be given this responsibility from the Lord. It is a shame when God desires us to do things on his behalf and we say no to him. Or worse yet, we say yes and then don't do it at all. 
Jesus talks about it, or we do it half-heartedly, casually, indifferently. We need to recognize that to be a part of God's plan and purpose in any individual's life for the gospel is a great honor and privilege, and we should not shirk that privilege. We should be humbled by it, but we should also be thankful for it and embrace it with all that we have, and that's what Paul does as an example for us. Oh, Father in heaven, help us to understand your word, to be moved by the example of Paul, by his spirit, by his humility, and yet boldness. Help us to be moved by the work of Christ in our lives so that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. We can avail ourselves of full access to you through faith in Jesus Christ. Give us an increasing appreciation for this mystery, for your manifold wisdom. Thank you for utilizing us in your purpose and plan to show the principalities and powers in heavenly places, your grace, your mercy, your wisdom, your purposes. And Father, we look forward to you fulfilling all of your purpose, for you finishing it. We thank you for our part in all of that. Work in our hearts. Call us out. Make us capable. Utilize us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.